Okay, Acts chapter 13. I'm going to read, and then we'll go back and we'll look at what we're, what we're reading. We'll pray and we'll, we'll look. Now, l- let me read first. Uh, now, uh, chapter 13, verse 1. Now, there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Menaean, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. And they ministered to the Lord and fasted. The Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. And when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they also... They had also John to their minister. And when they had gone through the isle unto Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a a false prophet, a Jew, whose name was Bar-Jesus, which was, with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man, who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. But Eliamus, the sorcerer, for that is his name by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. Then Saul, who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him and said, O fool, uh, full of all subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, will thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? And now, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness, And he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. Then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. Now when Paul and his company loosed from Paphos, they came to Perga and Pamphylia. And John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. Let's pray. Lord, as we look at your portion, your holy word here this morning, we understand this is your word. It's all good. Uh, It's it's it's. It's profitable for correction, for doctrine, reproof, all those things that your word says. And Lord, we would be either reproved or get the doctrine or the blessing. Whatever you have for us here this morning, we'll let you determine which. And Father, just speak to our hearts in a way that glorifies you and builds us up. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, in Exodus, and we're going to be in Exodus 16 tonight, uh, it's... it's uh, yeah, Exodus 16. It's, it's where manna falls, and they collect the manna every day, their daily bread. And, you know, we're, we're, we're in, in New Testament, we're, we, we pray, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. Is that physical nourishment? Sure. Is it spiritual nourishment? Well, what it needs nourishment on you, your soul, your spirit, or your body, all of them, right? And God gives us that day His provision through His Word, His, this, the daily bread. Uh, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So that's why we marry up bread with the word, right? And this is our word portion here today, and it's good. It's good for us. Now, uh, and it's going to build up our soul. I have every, de- every belief of that. Why? Because you're such a really red-hot preacher? No, because that's the word. The, the, it's the seed. It's the, the powers in the word, okay? It's so powerful, even I can't mess it up. That's where my faith is. Now, they were in the church there at Antioch. Now, this is a, um, a line of demarcation 
in the book of Acts, okay? We're switching from Jerusalem to Antioch. We're really switching from Peter to Paul. For the rest of the book, it's really mostly about Paul. We're even going to see Paul's name change from Saul to Paul here in this chapter. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's like a new day in the church, okay? And I think part of that is because, you know what happened in Jerusalem? We got a lot of legalistic people, Judaizers, you know? You got to be circumcised. You got to keep the law of Moses. And God's saying, okay, you can go do that. But I'm going to go work over here through Paul and through, you know, people who have the right message. Like, you get saved by faith in Jesus Christ alone, and you don't add anything to that. Uh, we can get ourselves in a place where God doesn't bless us. How do we do that? Sin in our lives, heresy from our lips. A lot of places. Uh, I always want to stay, you know, where God's moving, where God's blessing, where, and I want, want that to be evident. So there is at the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers. Now listen to the lineup. Barnabas, you know, son of encouragement, right? Simeon, that was called Niger. That's how you pronounce that. Be careful. It uh, means black, though. He's saying, that sounds kind of racist. It's not. It's just making an observation that he was a black man. Is this the same Simon of Cyrene who helped? Jesus carried the cross. That is what most people think, but I don't know that there's any scripture that actually ties them together. But it's possible. Some would say even probable. I don't know. It's, it's, we're, we're, we're guessing a little bit. We know this. He's called Niger, okay? He's called black, and he's probably a black man, and it's not using that as a pejorative term, just making a statement. And Lucius of Cyrene, so is... is, is Simon also is Cyrene. Again, we don't know, but Lucius is Northern Africa. Obviously, if he's from the same place Simon is, he's probably a black man as well. Is that a problem? Not to these men. Uh, shouldn't be to us. And Menaean, which had been brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. So we have Menaean. Who's that? Well, all we know about him, he's brought up with the Tetrarch, Herod. Which Tetrarch? Which one? Herod Antipas? Herod? It don't matter. They're all bad, bad eggs, right? Um, and we have Saul. Now, I just want to visit a couple places here. One, I want to just touch on this idea of, because back along, I, I was part of a society that thought, I'm just going to say it, that white people were better than black people. Sorry, they did. And I would admit that in one part in my life, I, as a very young sprout, I thought as much too. Why? Because I was young, because I was ignorant. Scripture knows nothing of that. God's no respecter of persons at all. So we have black men and white men. Or, and I say white, they're not, none of them are Anglo, right? Because, you know, these are like Mediterranean types, uh, Middle Eastern, you know, uh, Jewish people. What are we talking about? We're talking about white? We're talking about black? We're talking about, I don't know, you know, Mediterranean. I don't know how else to say it, you know. And, and a lot of people from that area are kind of darker than, you know, Swedes and <laughs> Norwegians and, you know, so there's degrees here. Does it matter? Does it matter at all? Not at all. We don't see anything in Scripture that would indicate, you know, I think, you know, people ought to, you know, marry within their race. Where do you get, where'd you get that in Scripture? And we are. Human race, okay? We're just one race, okay? We all go back to Adam and Eve, and even after that, we all got off the boat with Noah, we're all the same gene pool. Marry the right gender, the one opposite of you, and you shouldn't be marrying pets. Okay, other than that, all bets are off. 
whatever, and I'm totally good with that. And people said to us, well, you want your children to marry you know, black women or something like that. Like we, in any way, shape, or form, that would matter to us. No, that's ridiculous. Now, the other part I want to talk about is Manaean. He's an interesting character. We don't know much about him. He's in the leadership of the church of Antioch, and he was brought up with Herod. Well, wouldn't he be like Herod? No, not necessarily. What's your upbringing like? And I understand. I understand. Some of you have overcome incredible things. That you're, the way God designed childhood is supposed to be a learning, a place of wonderment and a place of joy, and you're supposed to have these sweet, Memories where when you get your knee skinned, your mom comes out with the mercurochrome and does little giraffes on your knee and kisses your little boo-boo and you all feel better and stuff like that. Uh, hypothetically, right? I'm looking at Susan and was like wondering if that. No, her mom was totally that person. And when she looks back on, on these childhood memories, they're very sweet and very endearing. She had like a teacher who was a psychotic person that she got sick so she didn't have to go to church, uh, to go to church, go to school every day. We all have that in our lives. We get it. Some of your upbringing was really, really a bad, I, I, I get it, okay? Having said that, we have Herod. He's, he's a maniac. Which Herod are we talking about? Does it matter? One of them killed all the innocent children at Bethlehem. Another one beheaded John. Another one killed uh, James uh, with the sword. With, with the whole family, they put the funk in dysfunctional. Okay, so I don't care what Herod we're talking about. He's brought up with Herod, and Herod's a bad guy. Okay, is this a, a bad guy? No, he's one of the leaders in the church of Antioch. How does that work? Listen, I've, I've lived a long time, and I've known a lot of people who have bad kids who are really good people. And what I have determined that, it's that you're... It, you're, the way your children are is not a reflection, is not a reflection all the time. I can't say this unconditionally, but I can say this. It's not always a reflection on your parenting. I talked with a lady, wounded spirit, this week, whose son is in a real bad place. I don't want to say anything more than that. Just the worst, okay? Grim, okay? And when she was at church, they were saying, well, that was your fault because you didn't bring him up right. And it was really, according to her, and I don't know the whole story, real spirit of judgmentalism there. Hey, I want to, uh, ouch is right. Hey, listen, I want to tell you something like, uh, I know a lot of people, us included. I have one son, he's a, he's a deacon, he's back there, he's the salt of the earth. The pride, pride of any parents would love to have him, just a, a likable, good, decent human being. And we have one, not so much. Can I just say it, leave it at that? And what do you think? What do you think? We beat one and prized the other? We, we, we'd, we'd throw, you know, the other one was down the cellar. We, we'd throw him some, you know, crusts of three-day-old bread and a bone here. Nah, on this kid. We kept him penned up down there. And the other one, we bought him finery and we gave him chocolate coins and puppies and muffins and just loved on him. The other one, we just brutalized, right? No. No. And I want you to remember, Mom and Dad, listen. Adam and Eve had Cain and Abel. It's not, it's choices. This guy made the right choices. He's in leadership in a church, the church, the one God's moving in and blessing in. He's a, this, for all we know, this is a spiritual and a good guy brought up in a wicked household. I've seen children overcome horrible parenting and be salt of the earth and get saved and love Jesus. And I've seen people with really, really good parents turn out 
not so good. It, it is so, and you know it to be so. And I need to tell you parents, too. I need to, you have to listen to me. It's not your fault. you got good kids, you got bad kids. It's not, it's, I, I'm sure you didn't abuse them, beat them. I, I, in my own mind, the people sitting here, and if they're not where they're supposed to be, it's on them. It's, it's choices, it's decisions. Here we have Manan, brought up in the household of Herod. <laughs> and he's leading the church. Enough said, Fred, let's keep moving. That's, not, that's just a minor point, that's not the whole sermon today. And we have Saul. And here he's still Saul, right? And they ministered to the Lord and fasted. And the Holy Ghost, uh, and they're, they're ministering to the Lord and they fa they're fasting, right? The Holy Ghost said, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work wherein tribe called them. Audible voice? We don't know. Probably, and my best guess is through, he's, the Spirit of God is ministering through the spiritual gifts. We have a prophet there, and he's saying, you know, I feel like, I really think that the Spirit of God is saying that we're to separate Saul and Barnabas. They got work to do. What's, what's going on here? They're ministering to the Lord. And they're fasting. And they're at a place where they're waiting on the Lord and they're given, God has an opportunity to speak to them. Now that there is saying a lot because we don't always do that. As a matter of fact, here at church, we, the way it's set up, we rarely do that. That's going to change. I was really convicted about this. You know, we got... We at church, it's kind of like the way it is. You know, we got the worship time and then we got the announcements and we got the teaching time. Oh, Spirit of God, move among us, and where, when? You don't really kind of give me the opportunity. Well, in the teaching, in the worship, the Spirit of God can lead and guide, correct. I'll give you that, yeah. But as far as, like, are we waiting on him? Are we waiting for a prophetic announcement? Is there anyone having the gift of prophecy here that we never give him the opportunity to? So we'll meet for night when we pray tonight, and i got to scale back my teaching a lot of time, and I'm going to do that tonight. We'll have prayer afterwards, and if somebody has something that they feel like the Lord's really impressing on that, will give opportunity. Say, wow, you're way out there. It is a little risky. And when you have the Spirit of God, it, things get kind of, I don't, I don't want to say, it, yeah, I don't know how to, I don't know the best adjective. What I just want to say is this, you can't put them in a box, this is how you're going to operate. And what happens is what happens. And that's all right. It's his church. I, I don't, you know, here's the vision. How do, how do they, they give God an opportunity to say this? And now, now this is what, is what happens. Is fasting a part of it? Sometimes, not always. What, I think fasting, we don't do as enough as American church, right? We, we just don't. Uh, sometimes, I know someone, some who do. I have in the past. I haven't in a while. You know, I need to. Just put food aside Lord, I'm concentrating on you. I ain't got time for that, that foolishness of eating and things like that. I gotta, right now, I'm really focusing on what you want. And what, and it's just a way of denying the flesh, keep the flesh you know, under submission. So what happens next? So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed. <laughs> Wait a second, that don't work like that. Doesn't God know anything? You got a candidate, you got to go around, you got to talk to all the different churches, you got to drum up support, you got to have people pledge, we're going to give you this much. It, wait a second, they just they get sent and they go. That speaks to my heart too. What are we doing wrong? Uh, do you guys see that? I mean, because or is it just me? Um, 
So people come to us and they say, yeah, this is my vision, this is what I feel like God's called me to do. I, I'm not really against that. You know, we can be part of the blessing, but here they just go. We feel like God sends somebody. Well, let's just send them. Let's just, let's just do it. Let's, let's. And they send Barnabas and Saul. You realize how unintuitive that is? If you had Saul and Barnabas at your church, wouldn't like Saul be teaching like every Sunday? Every time you get together? You send him? Are you kidding me? And Barnabas, he's like, these guys are like rock stars, if you can put it that way. The most famous, the best equipped, and we're sending them out of here? No, we want those guys on staff. We want them on salary. We want them like to tie them up from now to the forever, right? Don't you, don't you see that? I mean, I, I send that. No, God say no, you send them. I, I think they're sending their best, but I think that's the way it's supposed to work. You know. These are the ones that, and I don't know that, I bet Saul and Barnabas aren't really surprised by this word. I bet the Lord's been speaking to their heart right along. When I have a word of prophecy given to me by somebody, I'm not a prophet in that sense. I'm just not. It's not my gift. When somebody comes and they have a word of prophecy for me, it's usually something that God's already been kind of working in my life. And it kind of like, it's never like out of left field, like, whoa, I never saw that one coming. It's kind of like, yeah, he's affirming or confirming something in me that I was kind of suspecting was going to happen anyway. Going to this church is a good example. Ken sent me down, but I kind of had an idea that I was supposed to be anyway. This is a long story. I can share it sometime, but I just did, basically. So they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost departed. Where they go? They go to Cyprus in the Mediterranean, right? And when they were at Salamis, city and key city in Cyprus, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. Because that's where they go. That's where the people of God are assembling, the people who respect the word of God. And so that's where the, it seems to be, okay, we've got a group already. And you'll see, like in the next synagogue they go to, they say, hey, you guys got anything to share? That's in... Uh, uh, verse 15, after the reading of the law and the prophets the rulers of the synagogue said unto them, saying, ye men of, and brethren, have you any word of exhortation to the people? Say on. And Paul's like, well, I'm so nervous. I'm so shy. But here goes. Uh, maybe I have something that you might like to hear. Uh, so they always, they're always doing that. They're always going to the synagogues and they're sharing the word from there. So this is their MO. This is the way they go. And, th and that's fine. And the Spirit of God tells us they also had John as their minister. And we ended up reading... Uh, verse 13, and John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. So all we know about John at this point, and this is John, John Mark, okay? Later on, he teams up with uh, Peter, and he's hanging around Peter. It's this John Mark who writes the Gospel of Mark, which is probably given to him from Peter. So Mark is uh, showing up with him and helping him out. Uh, Barnabas is his uncle cousin or uncle, uncle I think, I can't remember. And when John leaves, it's going to be a problem later on. This is the first missionary journey, as we call it, right? On the second missionary journey, it's not Paul and Barnabas, it's Paul and Silas. Why not Barnabas? Because there's such a dispute between Paul and Barnabas, and we'll get there. Barnabas says, hey, let's take John. And Paul's like, no, nah, he punked out. He, 
The game got tough, and he's like, did a disappearing act. Forget about that. We ain't taking him. Such a dispute that it's unresolved. Barnabas takes John and goes one way, and Paul takes Silas, and off they go on the second missionary journey. But here, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Here, uh, and when they had gone through the isle unto Paphos, they found a cert certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew, whose name was Bar-Jesus. What do we know about him? We know he's false, okay? Bar sounds like, you know, Simon Bar Sinister or something, or an anti-Bar or something. You know what it means, though, right? Because you, you're sophisticated enough. This church, it means what? Son. So son of Jesus, right? You know what Jesus means. Think Yeshua. What, what does it mean? Savior. God saves. Yahushua, salvation of God, or God saves uh, and of course, the Greek version is Jesus. So this guy's name is Son of Salvation. <laughs> is he? Not so much. Not so much as we've already read. Uh, he was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus. Not Paulus. Now that's a, that's a Greek name. He's a prudent man who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. What does it mean he's a prudent man? You've got something else in your Bible there if you've got a different translation. Prudent means smart. Well, Still means smart, right? Intelligent with it. He's prudent. He, he thinks stuff through for you. He's not rash. He's not impetuous. He's wise. And what do we know about him? He uh, called for Barnabas and Saul, and he desired to hear the word of God. I told you he was wise. Don't rush past this. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. It's a foolish thing. Now, the Bible, when it talks about foolishness, it doesn't mean stupid. You're not, you don't have problems thinking. You have problems in your heart. It's a moral thing. And will it affect you intellectually? Well, yeah, of course. Um, there is no God. Okay, we all know that, right? Now let's try to go and live our lives. Well, guess what? Your life is going to be upside down, sideways, in the ditch. You're going to be doing things because you want to do them, and you're your own God. And what does that look like? Well, it looks like America in the 21st century. How are things going morally out there? Pretty, pretty dim. Pretty, pretty shaky. Why? Because we've got God, we've X'd him out of all our institutions. We can't talk about him. We can't think about him. I remember when Suze was talking, and uh, she, when she worked for... Uh, it was a pregnancy center, and she was the director of it, okay, the executive director. And one of the things that she did, uh, you know, ministering to people who are, you know, deciding whether to have an abortion or not. One of the things she did, she, they got an opportunity to go to some of the public schools and teach abstinence education. And she had to teach why it was important to abstain from sex without saying the G word. <laughs> Incredible, you remember all that. Well, guess what? There's plenty of reasons to abstain from having sex before marriage without God in the equation. But the, the biggest, best reasons, because God says it's a horrible idea, it's going to ruin your life. It's just, it's, it is such a bad idea. Well, hey, we're getting married anyway. Then you always have that problem. How come you didn't treat me as holy enough to wait until do the things that God told us to do. You cared about you more than you cared about me. It's always going to, listen, we've been doing ministry for a long time, and we've been talking to couples for a long time, and that always, 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 did I say always? Always is an issue. Always. 
You, you can't live life against life successfully. Who, who thinks that that, you know, I'm just going to do whatever I want. It's going to come out good. <laughs> You're ridiculous. Well, America's trying to live life without God, and they're ridiculous. And life is, is a, this man's prudent. He's wise. He, he's saying, okay, you got a message. I heard you guys, you know, turn the world upside down. Well, tell me what, what you, what's going on. Prudent people will give you an audience. They will listen. Don't cast your pearls before swine. Don't, some people aren't giving you audience. They aren't listening. They're mockers. They don't want to hear. Okay? Don't, just, there's people who God is still calling out from the world and, and calling to himself. Those are the people you want to give them. You say, how will I know? Well, in, early in, in the conversation, you'll probably find out. It just, it, just, it just is. It just is so. And you can probably think of your own testimony, the time you turned to the Lord and what was going on in your life. Do mockers get saved? Yeah, they get out of mockery and they get to a place where, place where they're like, God knows how to make it so that he's the only answer they usually get i because i've had discussion with people who've mocked and ridiculed and everything else and then their mom gets cancer or something or losing a job adam will you pray to who the god you don't believe in uh you'll always get your chance to those people will come back very often and don't do anything like dumb like say what i just said and i wouldn't i think it but i don't say it you know what I mean? Give them the benefit of the doubt and say, yes, I will, and do. And it's best if you pray right there, right then, even if they're not prepared for it and they're very, very awkward and it's a public place. That works the best. Just, it just, God, God's there and God blesses. He likes when you're out on a, a limb, just trust in Him. He likes that. He really does. So he wants to hear the Word of God. Now, Eliamus, the saucer, for so his name is by interpretation. Wait a second, you got two names? I hate these two-name thing. I really do. I'm going to teach in the book of Esther. You know what Esther's real name is? No. She's called Esther, but you know what her other name is? And it tells us in the, first, the second chapter. Esther, who is called Hadassah. How do you don't know that? Because the name of the book's Esther. Esther, sister, why do you got two names? You know why? Two different your name is who you are. It's what we know you by. It's how we call you. It's what we refer to you as. It's, it's your nature, especially in Scripture. They didn't name people Bob because Robert, that was my grandfather. We liked the name. We named after. They, they, don't, they don't do like that. You know, they called him Seth. God hath appointed us, you know, appointed. They, they're, they're, their names are more about their, their character, and sometimes they're prophetic about what you know, he's going to do, what he's going to accomplish, who he's going to be. And so names mean a lot. So we have a, our friend Esther here, Ishtar, a good Babylonian name when she's hanging out with all her Babylonian slash Medo-Persian friends. And they're all worshiping Esther, Esther, Ishtar. So she's got that name going for her. And Hadassah, because when she's hanging out with her Jewish friends, she's got a nice little Jewish name. There's two personalities there and they're conflicting i hope you're not two people you know, you, you're here on church on sunday and you're all like you know devout oh i love the lord i because you know how to say the right the jargon the, the, the you speak in christianese on sunday the rest of the week though 
you're whoever you are. You get your alter ego, you're somebody else, right? I, I hope not. Hope you encountered me in the workplace, you'd see the same guy. Now, I, I understand. You have to throttle back a little bit. I, I get it. My company that I work for hasn't hired me to proselytize around the job site all day long. I don't, this, this place is not filled with construction workers. Tom's here, okay, and I knew Tom from before. Um, but I didn't really invite him. I'm glad he's here, don't get me wrong. But I didn't invite him. I didn't call him up, hey, I've started a church, come, you know, be here. We don't have a lot of construction workers, so I don't invite him. I don't, I don't try to, I don't try to, there's, there's, a, there's a place there I have to be this guy, and there's, I, I, I totally get that. But everyone knows who I am. They know what I stand for. Uh, people come up to me and ask me if I pray for them. They, they, uh, they know, they understand. A friend of mine asked me if I'd marry him, uh, marry him and his, perform the, you know. <laughs> you get it. I did, at lunchtime. It was crazy. People know who I am. I, and, and I don't care. I'm not taking any shortcuts. I'm not going to deny who I am if it means like the difference between getting a job or not. God always tests us with that stuff. No. No, I ain't taking the job. No. I'm going to, I got to live for the Lord. I'm going to be who I am. I ain't going to be two people. You know, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, Reverend Adam, right? I'm all, you know, and, and then I go home and I, and I treat my wife really poorly and, but she wouldn't come to church if I, that, if I was that ridiculous. You know that, right? So you've got to be who you are. You've got to be, and, and so there's Elimus. He's, he's bar Jesus. He's the son of salvation, but not really. He's Elimus, the sorcerer. The sorcerer, so is his name by interpretation. He's got two, he's, he's Jewish. He's got a Jewish name, uh, and now he's, uh, but he's not acting very, he's, he's standing, he's seeking to withstand the gospel. He wants to turn the deputy away from the faith. He's a sorcerer. He's not the son of salvation. He's got a lie for a name. And now he's, this is the, who he really is. I, this speaks to a heart. Get rid of the... T- I know, I know it, at work is one thing. You have to be a certain way. I know that. But don't, don't ever compromise. Don't ever step any, across any lines. Just don't do that. It's, it's, it's too... People are waiting for you to be a hypocrite. They're waiting for you to fall. Why is that anyway? Because if you're not legitimate in their eyes, then they don't have to. That's like, ah, psh, that Christianity, that's a farce anyway. All oh, Christians I know, they're all a bunch of hypocrites. They'll call you that whether you... Don't, get, don't fuel their contention. Don't give them any ammunition. Don't hand them the bullets they're going to put in the gun and shoot you with. Don't... don't when they call you a hypocrite, don't, don't let it be a credible accusation. Don't live one way among these people and one way among another group. It just, it's, it's, not, it's not what God wants. It's not honoring. This guy is, is the picture of that. Then Saul, who's also called Paul, so Paul says, oh, you want to play that game? I got two names too. So he pulls out his second name. Who, why is he got two names? Is that two different natures? In a way... But in a good way, because Saul means Shual. We, we, went, we went through First uh, Samuel. He's the sought-after one. He's legitimately the rock star. He's the one that everyone wants. Everyone wants to be around. And so his parents, good Jewish parents, they named their little boy Shual after this king. Okay, Saul, we, we'd say, right? And he's like, nah, I don't know how much I like that. So he's got a Jewish name, but he's, 
You got Paul is the he's the guy. He is look, he's Jewish by birth and by religion. He's Greek in his orientation, in his philosophy. He's a Roman citizen. He's really can reach you on several different fronts. You say, I'm I'm a Jewish uh uh, person, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm brought up, you know, by the, uh, the local synagogue and the rabbi minister to me. And Paul's like, hey, I can talk to you. Let's, 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 let's dialogue. And then he goes to this place and there are Greek speakers there and they have that whole culture. And he's like, yep, that's me. And he goes, starts ministering. They're like, no, well, we're Roman citizens. And he goes, yeah, me too. And he's building those bridges. He's a really... He, no kidding God could use him. I mean, you know, God uniquely brought him in that situation. Well, he's got a second name, Paul. It's his Greek name, and it means small. And he'd rather be known by that because I think he's saying, I'm not the sought-after one. I'm literally, I'm small. Is he, is he a, a small person? Some people think so. We don't really know that, okay? Uh, I think he's saying I'm small in my own eyes, in my own estimation, Humble yourself in the sight of God, and He will lift you up. Well, I'm going to lift myself. I'm going to promote my own cause. That's a bad idea. God resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. And I think this is Paul being humble. Now listen, I want to say this, and if I say this, then I'm not going to be humble, okay? But i got to say this anyway to give you an example with me. My name's Edward. Most of you guys know that, some of you. Some of you are like, I didn't know that. Some people know me very well. They don't know my name's Edward. My name's Edward Adam. I go by Adam. A lot of people do that. Say, what's wrong with Edward? Nothing. It's the name my mom gave me. She calls me Eddie. Don't try that, okay? I hate that. <laughs> I'm 59 years old. I hate Eddie, okay? I say, mother. <laughs> and she's like, shut up. I bought you this world. I can take you out. Just don't tell me what to do. And I'm, all right, yes, ma'am. You know, because I'm a... You know how it is. I like, you know why I like Edward better, uh, Adam better than Edward? Adam means man. Say, oh, you're all manly. Oh, you think you're a big macho? No, man like Adam, you know, the guy who fell, who caused all the chaos. I think of that, my proneness to fall. And I'm, I'm aware of my infirmary. I'm, I'm aware of my, my nature is probably the best way to say it. And I like being called Adam because it always harks back to Adam, and I think about, like, don't mess up, don't mess up. Trust in the Lord. You know, if Adam did, we'd all be living in paradise. That'd be kind of good, right? Trust in the Lord. Don't lean on your own understanding. Don't try to do this in your own strength. And I've said that a thousand times. Listen, spirit fill, right? They're ministering to the Spirit. They're, they're about the Lord. They're waiting on the Lord. I'd rather live in... Spirit fill for 10 minutes and go 10 years on my own strength because I know what I'm made of. I know how I don't have vision. I don't have leadership. I don't have, I got foibles. I got iniquity. I got weakness. I like knowing that about me. Now I'm trusting God. God, you could use me? That's ridiculous. But if you're, if you're glorified in using me, well, go ahead and be glorified because I like that too. I want you to be glorified. Me? Never. It goes right to my head, and then I'm not useful anymore at all, at all. I like being called Adam. It just reminds me of who I am. You think it's like just my name. It's kind of like a little bit of an insult in a good way. that I, It puts me in my place, and it's a good place to be, trusting in God. 
Lord, I'm, I'm prone to... If I was back in Eden, and it was me, we'd be in the same mess, and I know that, right? So I think that's, it's a good thing. So, I, so, so sometimes those two names, again, two different identities, but here I think it's a good thing. And we, from here on in, we're going to know him as Paul. Even when God calls him, the Holy Spirit, he calls, hey, separate Saul and Barnabas. I think it's an okay thing. And by the way, what is your name really? You don't know. You only know the name your parents gave you. Well, they're my parents. They have the right to name me. God's going to rename you. Okay? You read the, church, uh, the letter to the Church of Philadelphia. You get a stone with your real name on it that Jesus gives you. What is it? I don't know. <laughs> I'll tell you if I knew. He's going to give it to you. It's going to be awesome. But that's the story for another time. Let's keep moving because I don't want to run out of time here. He's trying to, this uh, Elemis, he's trying to s- stop uh, this Sergius Paulus from hearing the gospel. And so Paul said, Oh, full of all sudden subtlety and all. Oh, then Saul, who is also called Paul, he's filled with the Holy Ghost. And he set his eyes on him. He's filled with the Holy Ghost. So what's going to come out now? Love and just agape and just wonderful things. He's going to give him muffins and tell him how wonderful he is and God's got a wonderful plan for his life. Does God have a wonderful plan for his life? Yes. No muffins, though. Oh, full of all subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil... I love this. This is spirit-filled Saul. Is that the way the Spirit of God operates sometimes? Yes. Yeah. Um, um, thou child, thou enemy of all righteousness, will thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? I'm trying to give this man the gospel, and you're standing in the way. Now listen, this is really, really a big, important point. Every time the Spirit of God is moving in your life, every single time, there's going to be opposition. Write it down. Know this. And I know so many people who come to this point and give up. Oh, I can't. I'm just going to share the gospel. With it. And I always get this alignment. The sorcerer is going to come in here. And that happens only always. Because you do understand Satan actively works against our trying to bring the kingdom of God forward. And we have an adversary. And God wants to overcome that adversary and be glorified in defeating him. And we give up because we, oh, I can't believe it. There's this. And now we're ready to throw in the towel. This is Paul, the apostle. You get, you get what I'm saying? He's full of the Spirit of God. God's moving. God's separated. God's leading. God's directed. And this this sorcerer is going to stand against God. Oh my goodness, it's not going to go well with him. Why don't we just do what Paul's done? Why don't we do, how come we're not like this? It's like, oh yeah, Satan, yeah, we knew we'd be hearing from him. Now, full of the Holy Ghost. This is a Holy Ghost judgment. Now listen, be, before you start, you know, blinding people, okay, easy now, make sure God is calling you to do exactly that. You're saying, never could happen, not in a million years. If that's how you feel, I don't think it ever will happen. If, do you think there's a situation where, um, will you not, you're full of mischief and guile and you're wicked. 
Will you, thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? Now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind. Look, at he's blind anyway. It's not that much of a, a stretch, but he's making him physically blind. He's already spiritually blind, right? Not seeing the sun. How long? For a season. It's not permanent. Did Paul get to call the shots, or is the Spirit of God saying, Paul, blind him. Tell him he's not going to... And Paul's going to you know, step out on faith because guess what? If it doesn't operate, if it doesn't happen what he says, it's going to look really foolish, right? So he's out there. He's on faith. And I think if it's Paul's choice, I don't know. Maybe he's thinking, yeah, blind is, blind is good. <laughs> I remember back in Acts chapter 9 when I was in Damascus and I was blind. And I couldn't, I couldn't see. And I was churning over all those scriptures and, and the Spirit of God was ministering to my heart and I got a chance to revisit all those things that I knew without all the added, you know, because we, we think wrong, by the way. As a culture, I think as human beings, we think wrong. Seeing is believing. You said that, right? Why'd you, where'd you come up with that? That sounds so satanic, frankly. So no, seeing is believe. You see it, that, that's... I get this all the time. People talk about something supernatural that happened. Supernatural is only evidence of the supernatural. And you, were you in Exodus with us when the, the magicians, the conjurers, they conjured up these things that, that Moses was doing at the beginning? Satan has some power. But here, it's not seeing as believing. It's faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Take the sight away so he can... The ears come to the front. Now he can hear when he, he needs to be here. It's only for a season. This man gets saved. I wouldn't be surprised if we see this sorcerer guy in heaven, this bar Jesus. I bet he changed his name again. <laughs> and he called himself Paul after this small. I, I don't know. Who knows? I like to think, you know, everything has a happy ending. It doesn't always. Now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee. Thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. Immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness, and he went about seeking someone to lead him by the hand. How humiliating is that? I can't see. I can't see two feet. In front. I don't know where I'm going. Here, somebody help me, please. That's very humbling, humiliating, humbling. All right? He's being humbled. God visits the humble. I think that's why this might have a happy ending after all. You want to stand between God and the gospel? That's such a bad idea. That is such a bad idea. You want to go against the Holy Spirit of God? Or God, the Holy Spirit, if I can put it that way? That's not. No. But it's not hatred. It is a spanking, to be sure. But I think it's going to have a peaceable outcome, or at least has a possibility of it. Then the deputy, when he saw it was done, he believed. I guess. Listen, being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. The teaching is what saved him, not the miracles. Now, I'm all about miracles. I, am, I have no problem. God wants to work in the miraculous. He's God. We don't tell him how to do it. But what saves this man is the doctrine. He heard the gospel. He said, wow, awesome. I can have eternal life by believing in Jesus Christ. I don't have to do Anything? Exactly correct. You have understood it correctly. He's astonished. Because 
It is astonishing. It's not intuitive. We think there's a lot of things that we have to do to get saved. We, we're, we're born that way. We never knew love like the cross. We never knew it. You know, mom would award us when we did good things. Dad would award us reward, you know, and when we did potty training or didn't we shared with our little sister or whatever it was. And went to school and we tested and we were rewarded with good grades. And then we try to, you know, we grew through and try to win the hand of our, who would reward us if we, with her, you know, living with us forever, if we did good, if we were a, a total jerk and didn't treat her right, she wouldn't, she wouldn't say yes to us. And we went to boot camp and <laughs> tried to get this guy to stop yelling at me. It's easy. Just do the right thing. They'll stop. You mess up, and it's all about you act a certain way, you get rewards. You don't act a certain way, you get the, you get the, the, the discipline. And now here comes God. I love you. You shouldn't. I do. Why? I love you because I love you. So much so, I sent my only son to die for all your sins. I had a lot of sins, all under the blood. Nobody's loved us like him. It's not intuitive. It's a remarkable doctrine. Well, he gets it. And I told you that he was a, a, a prudent man, right? And he, he, he believed. He's astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. Can I put it this way? He's astonished at the love of the Lord, which is in the gospel. It's the doctrine. It's, it's astonishing. It's, it's counterintuitive. It's It's incredible. He, he saved me. I, I can't get past that. It's the hardest thing in my life to believe that God loves me quite separate from the way I behave. It's His nature to love. God is love. He loves me. I know it to be certain. Wow, it's incredible. I'm astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. As often as I think we have communion. Lord, you did what for who? What? You're incredible. You're awesome. Praise your holy name. It's, it's always, I don't ever drift too far from that. He, when he saw it was done, he believed, he was astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. Amen. Kind of footnote, when Paul and his company loosed from Paphos, why did they loose them from Paphos? Because they accomplished what they had to do there, and God's leading them on to the next thing, Perga and Pamphylia. And at this point, John, all we know is that this, he departs. And he goes back to Jerusalem. Is his uncle not, it's not Barnabas and Paul anymore, it's Paul and Barnabas? Does he not like that? I don't know. Does the going get really tough here? I don't know. He put his hand to the plow and he turned back, according to Paul, not fit for the kingdom of God. I don't know. I don't know what happened. You know what I think is a big blank there so you can fill in the blank with your own situation? I always think like that in Scripture. Why did he, why did he go away? Why did he back out? Why did he not follow through on his commitment? I don't know. Why haven't I sometimes? Why haven't I done the thing I promised? Why haven't I, why haven't I the person that I set out to be? Why ain't, I don't know. You know, the end of the story, we'll see it at the end. Uh, we go to Timothy the last, the second Timothy, he's saying, hey, send John Mark to me. He's profitable for the ministry. 
they had their fallen out, but they had their, they buried the hatchet. They're back together at the end. Uh, it, and listen, if you wrote a book of the Bible, the Gospel of Mark, I think you ended up okay, okay? So at some point, he's, he's, he's messes up, but it's not the end of the story. Now, we look at our lives. Have you messed up? No, not me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> tell me about it, right? Uh, I try to get through a whole day without at least one major <laughs> falling on my face. And if I, you know, don't mess up too severely, I think, hey, pretty good day, right? Um, but I'm the guy who, I, I guess I understand some of the grace of God. I want you to understand it too. It's not performance-based. You had a great day. Oh, I love you. You had a really, man, you, you were putrid. You punked out. You didn't, I hate you now. It's not like that with God. He's a loving Heavenly Father. And we always, you know, his, his graces, they're new every morning. It's a, it's a new day. It's a fresh start. It's a, yeah, yesterday's yesterday. We, we won't, I'm the one who says, you remember, your past is overrated. When I'm saying past, I'm talking 15 minutes, half an hour ago. Whatever that happened then is then. Let's just leave it there. The exciting new moment. Here we are, the end of the service, going to worship God, going to go out among them, be out among them. Is it, a diff oh, is it now that we've been under the Word of God, is it going to make a difference? Well, I hope so. I mean, that's what we do here. We want you to take the Word and absorb it and take lessons from it that make a difference in your lives. There you go. So let's stand and pray, and the worship team will come out and send us out a hymn song. Lord, be glorified in the teaching of your holy word. Spirit of God, move among us now. And I fully expect that the lessons that you would have us, for us here today, the things that you would you call us out of the world to speak to our hearts here this morning, I pray that we'll get the message, that we'll absolutely understand it in a way that would be life-changing. In Jesus' holy name we pray, amen.